0: Hello my name is Stephen McHugh reporting for Unique Dyslectic Boom Radio. On the show today we are going to be investigating models of dyslexia and what those models say to dyslexics, and what they say about dyslexia itself. We will also be talking with three dyslexic undergraduates who will be sharing their stories of being dyslexic with us today. This is Stephen McHugh for Boom Radio. Next, I'd like to introduce you to Rhiannon, who is a student at Harriet Watt University. She is going to tell us about her story of being dyslexic at school. So welcome to Rhiannon. This is Stephen McHugh for Unique Dyslexic talking with Rhiannon about being dyslexic. Hi, Rhiannon. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about your experiences of being at school? I mean, were you assessed at primary school? Did you get any support?
1: Primary school was tough. Obviously, I can't remember quite a while ago. From what I got told, my primary three teacher said to mum, she might be dyslexic, but she can't. I can't diagnose her. you need to consider herself. I was like, okay, that's fine. My hi- my primary school refused to get me tested. They refused it. Mum was like, no, there is something kind of wrong with her. She needs extra help. She needs to be diagnosed of something. so had to do it all on own, take me to every place, get my eyes tested tested for autism, to, to score it all out, to score that this isn't anything else, it is dyslexia. She had to get a lawyer into the school to actually fight for the, to prove I'm dyslexic. Um, it wasn't until primary six they finally diagnosed me, but at that point I had the reading capability with a six-year-old. So, primary six, what age is
0: that? Ten, maybe. Ten. So you was in school f- for six years or five years.
1: And I've not passed the reading capability with six year old okay. two. So. Uh,
0: do you remember how that made you feel as a child? How did yeah. you feel?
1: The part I remember is I knew I struggled to read, and then they told us we we're going to learn how to speak Spanish. That was a kind of I. I remember coming crying to mom. I was like, "Mom, I can't learn Spanish. I can't even read English. I mind yeah. Spanish." And I think that hurt mom the most. That was how I felt.
0: Okay, And well, that's absolutely right. We we left primary school, went into secondary school. Mm-hmm. How did things go at secondary school?
1: I couldn't that my teachers enough. I don't think I'd be in uni today if it wasn't for my high school teachers. At that point, I was also maybe not... First and second year, I think I was still in, getting it all sorted for me. Then by that point, I think I had my own voice, and I was, the, and I was going with all my teachers, so I was, oh, can I get this? Yeah. I need this help. I don't like this person. <laughs> 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 it's driving for me without like someone else.
0: So you were self-advocating? Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, who, who do you think, where do you think the self-advocating come from?
1: I think I was more comfortable. I was more comfortable in my environment and got on well with my teachers, so that always kind of worked. So and they all understood. They understood I was dyslexic. The they understood the support I needed as well. So they're always giving you that extra bit of help as well. Okay,
0: so you can't speak highly enough of the school. Okay, that's fantastic. And then we left school, mm-hmm. and did we take any exams? And did yeah. you get any support um, with the exams?
1: Yeah. So I think the best thing I ever left high school with was I being higher English. Okay. Something I never thought I would have been capable doing do you think Mom thought I was capable of getting a higher English no I I'd be at it I had scribed reading and extra time from exams
0: did you, so you got extra time mm-hmm. how much extra time
1: I think it's 15% okay or uh, maybe 25
0: okay and did you get any kind of assistive technology or what, did the school have any assistive technology or I
1: don't think so I don't think I liked using assistive technology as much as what I have now um, but they never had like all the stuff you get now yeah they never had any of that sort of stuff no
0: so after school you went to college mm-hmm. and how did things got college did you enjoy college
1: yeah college was good
0: um what did you study
1: business enterprise
0: okay mm-hmm. that sounds good yeah
1: interesting why did you
0: choose business enterprise
1: i've always kind of wanted to do my own business so, always, so that would be a good way to get a start to it.
0: well like i said before 35 percent of entrepreneurs are dyslexic so maybe one yeah, off on yeah. <laughs> you're in good company then we moved into Harriet watch mm-hmm. and now you're doing uh what course are you doing now
1: international business with marketing
0: okay good and how are you enjoying that yeah
1: it's good it's interesting
0: okay can you tell me what kind of support you've been able to access from the university what's been made available (laughs) what's been made available
1: Oh my, I get more funding to put stuff on my computer, that sort of stuff. Again, I'm still getting my scribe, my readers, and extra time for the exams I'll take next month.
0: And do you find that the college is very supportive? Mm-hmm. Which part of the support have you benefited from the most?
1: I would say my hour, my hour sessions a week.
0: Okay, so you get an hour a week sessions with a dyslexia specialist. Yeah. Good. When you look to the future, you said about maybe starting your own business. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there, have you made any plans for that or?
1: Oh, it's
0: all in my head, yeah. It's all
1: in it's your head.
0: See my, <laughs> <laughs> <So what, laughs> you my
1: money entire future.
0: <laughs> so what, what do you think we've got? We've got all this stuff in our head. What are we going to do with it? Are we just going to keep it there? No, I
1: mean, hopefully I will one day.
0: Okay.
1: We'll focus on unit at the moment first, and then we'll see what happens when I
0: graduate. <laughs> but if we talk about it in terms of, if I remember, I said that we like to work in our heads all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe something to start thinking about would be to maybe writing down rough mind maps or something yeah. about what it is you might like to do. it might I be an idea. my
1: business it. Sorry. Have a notebook with all my business ideas on it. <laughs> I ideas
0: on it. <laughs> <laughs> Where I might I be One might make it.
1: me money one day.
0: <laughs> well, hey, you know, you never know. You know unless you get up and out out there you're never going to know yep. one of the things that really helped me was i went to an entrepreneur incubator scotland can do scale look out for them they're a mm-hmm. really good organization they put me in with loads of other entrepreneurs and uh, people from the states the head of mit and all that kind of stuff they were given for a whole week we were cosseted in this kind of hot house of entrepreneurship and had this American guy who's the head of MIT uh, we were having dinner and i would much the worse the wear for drinking and of course when I'm drunk my Cockney accent comes out so uh, I, I mentioned the phrase brown bread and I can just because he was sitting beside me he kind of looked at me and he said brown bread what the heck is brown bread <laughs> just echoes in my head every time i'm not going to include that in there i'm not going to include (laughs) The, the last question what kind of advice would you give to what one piece of advice or two piece would you give to somebody else out there who might be struggling and who is dyslexic or who might be thinking about university but thinks they might not be able to cope with it
1: Go ask for the help you need and stick into it and you'll get there.
0: Thank you very much. This is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic on Boom Radio. Thank you very much, Rien. You've been fantastic. Thank you. From an inclusion perspective, there are three models of dyslexia. These being the charity, medical and social model. The medical model tells dyslexics that dyslexia is about deficits, discrepancy and disorder. That we are not normal, that we are in some way broken. This model fails to recognise that it is society and our education system that has failed us. You only have to realise that over 70% of young dyslexics leave school without being assessed as dyslexic. The knock-on effect of that is that many of them will not receive the support they need to actually succeed in education. Thus, many of them will leave school with low qualification, no qualification, and they will not achieve according to the potential. So if we go back to Rhiannon's discussion or interview with me, what we see is in primary school, Rhiannon wasn't given the support she needed to overcome her dyslexia. Neither was she taught in ways that will enable her to overcome dyslexia because teachers are not trained to do that. Because she's not being given the opportunity to learn according to her strengths, she fails. What we see is Rhiannon saying to us, well, she had a reading age of a six year old when she was 10, which is clearly not good enough. This is an example of society failing. And believe me, a good many of young children in our schools are failed in this way then when she goes into secondary school she says that she receives the support she needs she feels that she can self-advocate she feels that she can succeed and indeed she does and that takes her on into university now again if we go on to university I have to say that in the general population it's about one in ten of the population that I dislike if we look in the university population that number goes down to one in five now Dyslexics are very smart individuals However our education system fails to nurture the talent of Dyslexic students in their classroom This clearly is not good enough This is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic Boom reporting This is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic Boom Radio. Next, I'd like to talk about dyslexia and success. We as dyslexics can thrive and reach the top in many professions, successful doctors, scientists, writers, mechanics, actors, astrophysicists, and that is in spite of our education not because of it in fact many successful dyslexics say that they are successful because of being dyslexic and in spite of their experiences of being an education i know from my own personal experience and from the experiences of the students i've talked with and worked with many struggle to survive in an education system that singularly fails them from our first day in school to the last for many kids school must seem like purgatory I talk with many parents of dyslexic kids and it's no exaggeration to say that many parents hearts are broken on a daily basis when they see their kids struggling at school we don't do so well in education not because we're not bright enough but because our education systems inherently fail dyslexic students but we can overcome this and succeed we can have a future in spite of all our negative experiences in school that is a message we must share with every dyslexic child and every dyslexic adult Dr Maggie Adarin Pocock said about her experience in education she was put in a remedial class and people assumed I was not going to achieve very much she says I did feel written off it was like people put me at the back of the class where I couldn't do any harm it was all a bit depressing but she says she always had a dream for the young Dr Adarin Pocock it centered around exploring the wonders of the faraway planets and stars especially those she watched on children's TV. I think the clangers really made me into a space scientist she says fondly so that's just the experience of one very famous on TV dyslexic in my role as a dyslexia specialist at universities on degree master's degree and PhD courses many of them shared the same struggles at school as Maggie had indeed I did for myself personally it meant not going to school from the age of 14 onwards however despite all of the bumps in the road that many dyslexics face as I've said before we can go on. And do succeed. Thank you very much. This is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic Radio. Hello, this is Steve McHugh again for Boom Radio. Next I want to play a little bit of music, just one track that I put together myself few years ago it's called peacemaker i own the copyright so uh, it's okay for me to play it decided to do it this way because if i play any copyrighted music as i did in my previous broadcast it means i can't really actually share it in the way that i'd want to share it there'd be all sorts of ramifications with copyright okay thank you very much This is Steve McHugh for Boom Radio and Unique Dyslexic. Today I'm talking to a university student called Georgina and she's going to talk a little bit about her experience as a dyslexic. Hi Georgina. Hi. How are you today? I'm good thanks. Good. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience of school and if you were assessed at school?
2: Um, well primary school was very difficult for me. I, um, I struggled there with um, spelling because the majority of primary school is constantly doing spelling tests. Getting zero out of ten was never fun. But then when I got to secondary school and I was starting to get help and suddenly spelling wasn't such an issue, I realised that I could do school and it wasn't such an issue. They brought up it was an issue when I was about eight um, because I went to this kind of... It was this reading service. I'm not 100% sure what it was but it was actually with Scientologists Okay. and um, they didn't believe in dyslexia.
0: Right, okay. So,
2: <laughs> um, so I wasn't told I was dyslexic, but they helped me with my reading and my spelling. And then I moved to Ireland and that's when they told me, so I was about eight when this happened and they told me I was dyslexic, but they were going to charge me several grand to give me the correct diagnosis. Right, is that in Ireland? Or in Ireland, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and is that with the... Group who were Scientologists type thing or was that no, in in, in, no, that in was, yeah, England?
2: Yeah, so it wasn't with the Scientology. I was only went to them, I don't know once a week. Right. Um, when I was really little, but when I was in Ireland, they diagnosed me and I was starting to receive help uh, nearly every day with reading and stuff. At but, school. Yeah, at school, but I didn't have the correct forms because. My parents weren't going to pay several grand,
0: <laughs> and it's a lot of money. Uh-huh, it's yeah. a lot of money. Did the assessment help you, or was it, or was it just the fact you got them help that was the reason that helped you? That, yeah, that helped I think you?
2: it was just, yeah, it was just the help I was getting, having someone sit with me, one to one, going over reading and spelling and different coping mechanisms. that really helped, and it was only when I got to college. That I had my correct assessment. Assessment.
0: So it's secondary school, did you get any? Are we talking about secondary school or?
2: No, sorry, that's still primary school. <laughs> <laughs> so how yeah. did
0: things go in secondary? Well, secondary or whatever, whatever it was. I talk tech secondary, but yeah, it's, eleven to sixteen.
2: Yeah, that was that was all okay because I had help. So in first year, uh, and second year. I still did comprehension reading, um, and then after that, I was just left, and it gave me extra time yeah. while I was at school to get homework done, because reading takes longer for me. It was beneficial.
0: Did it, did it only focus on academic stuff? Was there anything else, yeah, any support it was, with anything else, was it, or was it just...
2: It was purely academic. So, Like I said, it was only first and second year I even got comprehension help. Yeah. I was really left by myself. But it was just the time.
0: Yeah, and did I mean, that I'm improve sure. your improve your confidence? Did it improve your self esteem? Was your confi- Was it a confidence and self esteem an issue before you got this problem? Before you got the support?
2: Yeah, in primary school I had a real issue with um, confidence, and it was only it was only after I did my Nat Fives I had any confidence because I got all A's. <laughs> so <laughs> I realised I wasn't stupid.
0: Okay, well that and that's very important, isn't it? <clears throat> I was the same. Mm-hmm. I left school and I didn't think I had any academic ability yeah. at all. Are we okay? Yes, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are we okay? I'm I'm sorry. I didn't w didn't want to take you to that place. Sorry. That's all right. You have a you have a bit of time to get yourself together. I haven't got any tissues unfortunately. And do you want to stop?
2: Yes, yeah, I
0: can't wait. Yeah. Okay. I mean stop altogether. Pause it for the moment. Sorry, don't, don't worry about it. I'll, yeah. I'll just delete it.
2: No, it's not. I really want to tell, but it's just—it was a really dark time in my life. I really struggled with my dyslexia for so long. It's okay. Sorry, this is the second time I've broken down in front of you. I promise I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I have a tissue somewhere in here. Okay. okay. Yeah, I don't know why it's something...
0: You're not on your own. Lots of us struggle.
2: It probably was only like two years ago I could even tell people I was dyslexic. It was something I was really ashamed of. Yeah. And I don't know why, because so many people are, and there's nothing wrong with me.
0: It's all about diversity and difference. That's, That's what dyslexia is. That's all. We're just we 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 humanity is all about diversity and difference, uh-huh. and we all bring something to society. And we all, you know, the main issue is our school and education generally lets us down.
2: I think it was like in primary school. I was just told I was stupid.
0: Yeah.
2: And I was put with all the stupid people. I think that's why I had such issue until, like I said, with my nap five exams. Um, it took me that long to realise that I'm not. <laughs>
0: How are we feeling now? Okay. Do you want to go forward with it? Yeah. We can. I can. We can just stop and not do it anymore if you don't want to.
2: No, it's okay because, yeah, it's just I don't know why I got so emotional. I think I, it's just I think I really did
0: struggle. I had I did a project not so long ago. Um, which was get and um, yeah, basically the idea was to get dyslexics together so that they could share stories and talk mm. to each other with other dyslexics yeah. about their experiences. Uh-huh. And so many, for so many, it was the first time they'd sat down in another room knowingly with somebody else who was dyslexic, mm. and it was the first time that they'd shared their frustrations and their, and, uh, and their stories with other dyslexics.
2: Now, my friend's mum did that for me, she, um, she works in Scottish Power. And she uh, told me to meet this very successful businesswoman who she works with, um, who had dyslexia, and it was like the first time I had ever actually sat and talked. To, and this was a woman who was making at least six-figure salary. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like
0: I'd like to make I'd <laughs> like to make six six quid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, and um, and so I it just.
0: It's okay. It's fine. So we left school. Yeah. No. And we got straight A's or we got A's in exams and stuff yeah. didn't we? So from where we were at primary school we, we, we went on a long journey and, and managed to leave school hopefully feeling a little bit happier a little more, more confident mm-hmm. and um, we went to college.
2: Yep so I went to college for the year because well I didn't like school <laughs> if I'm being honest I was so done with school um, so I didn't do sixth year I just went straight to college which well, it was quite easy, but it was good because it was a good transition year yeah. for me. And certainly with report writing stuff was something that I was worried about going into. And college gave me lots of support. Like I said, they uh, did my actual diagnosis with me and um, they gave me lots of support.
0: Did you get access to technology or anything like that yeah, through the
2: school? Yeah, so they, um, they gave me lots of technology to put on my laptop. They taught me how to use it all and they let me record all the lectures and I got my lecture slides the day before.
0: Which bit of the technology did you use the most, if any of it? Uh, the
2: reading out. Reading out. So and write. when the, yeah, the read and write, when it reads out what I've uh, what I've spelt so I can pick up when I've spelt the most ridiculous things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Proofreading was always, it helps me with proofreading. Okay, and now you're at university. You're in your first year? First year. And we've just finished our first semester nearly? Yep, nearly yep. there. How do you think this first semester's gone for you?
2: It's great. Like I, I, um, I've I, really enjoyed it. I think I've settled in nicely. And the work hasn't been too challenging.
0: What sort of feedback have you been getting from your teachers? or?
2: It's all online feedback. Uh, it tends to be uh, just the... E assignments and it's more of grades rather than comments.
0: Okay, so you don't get much in the way of comments. Do you think comments from your lecturers would help you, or are you quite well, happy with the way you get your feedback?
2: I think it would help, but they um, they have seven hundred students, so yeah. <laughs> and then they would struggle.
0: As somebody who has an assessment, that meant you were entitled to claim for disabled students' allowance. Did you did you claim for the disabled DSA they call it?
2: I didn't this year, but I did when I was at college last year to allow for all the equipment. As hmm. I already had the equipment,
0: I didn't
2: claim. I uh, isn't this This
0: common? is this is normally part of DSA so I think
2: it, I think I did then, sorry, <laughs> not <ignore> that.
0: <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> yeah. That's alright, because there's lots of form filling and lots of faffing about yeah. to get into college. Uh, what course are you doing?
2: Uh, economics and business management.
0: Why did you choose economics and business?
2: Because economics was my favourite course at college and I've always wanted to go into some form of business.
0: Okay, good. 35% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. Do you know that?
2: Yeah, Is it 35?
0: Yeah, 35, yeah. And in the real world, mm-hmm. 10% of the population are dyslexic. Yeah. But only 5% of the college pop- university population are dyslexic. And that's one of the reasons why I, I tend to say about education is the thing that kind of disables us and that's why so few of us you're one of the success stories just (laughs) just getting into university you know is is a success okay and can can i just ask you your views on being dyslexic can you tell me how you feel about being dyslexic can you tell me a little bit about what you think being dyslexic means for you and how do you see it as in terms of being positive negative in the middle What, what do you
2: I mean, I'd probably view it as a negative because it's helped me back in certain areas. But I also think it's not the end of the world. It's not a, It's not hugely impacted me as though I had a physical disability. Yeah. Or something far more extreme like autism. It's pretty in the middle. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle.
0: Okay, and if you if we talk about the future in terms of employment have you got any kind of idea what you'd like to do when you leave university or is that just too far in the future
2: well i mean i change my mind all the time but i think at the moment i most likely go into a form of accounting because I like the structure <laughs> of numbers. Yeah. And everyone seems to
0: need accountants. Yeah, my my, my wife's an accountant, and she likes her job. Mm-hmm. She's got that kind of exact mind.
2: Yeah.
0: And and if you've got that the right mind for that kind of thing, and she loves solving problems, and there's lots of things that dyslexics are good at, like yeah. solving problems and yeah. and seeing the big picture that fits accountancy. Okay, Georgina, thank you very much for your time. If you, if you had one bit of advice or one thing to say to anybody listening to this about being dyslexic, what would it be?
2: Not to be too hard on yourself. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. I have to thank Georgina for letting me put this interview up on the show. You can hear from what she says that she really did experience significant trauma at school because of her unassessed dyslexia and because of the lack of support she got for her dyslexia. I have to report that she is not alone. About 50% of the students I support at university also experience the same trauma at school. Of course, not all dyslexic adults will struggle with mental health issues, especially if they found out they were dyslexic at an early age and have had time to adjust to the idea and have had the support they need to overcome the dyslexia issues they have at school. I would say that it's not the dyslexia itself that is a problem. It's the fact that our schools are so dyslexia unfriendly. I know when I went through my own assessment, I experienced a range of emotions from optimism to anger, from frustration and despair. However, what I do have to say is the assessment gave me an insight into why I struggled at school. It gave me the answers. Some teenagers and adults were. really particularly badly to an assessment some undiagnosed individuals can experience understandable frustration at feeling different and not knowing why I would say that many dyslexic adults feel an enigma to themselves a recent report indicated that children and young people who are dyslexic and or have literacy related difficulties report higher levels of mental health issues a high number of parents in studies show that their dyslexic children try to hide their struggles they become frustrated and develop anxiety and poor self esteem 95% of parents feel exhausted and ill-equipped in terms of knowledge and skills to support their children's dyslexia issues at home regarding schools a significant number of parents felt the school did not value or support their dyslexic child adequately they reported feeling anxious disempowered and not being taken seriously this is Steve McHugh for unique dyslexic boom I'd like to take this time to point you towards my two Facebook pages. One is called Unique Dyslexic Boom Radio, and for that one, it's all about the radio station. So if you have anything you want to share with my listeners, anything you want to say about being dyslexic or your experiences of being dyslexic, please have a look for me on Facebook. Uh, My name is Steve McHugh, and the page is Unique Dyslexic Boom. That's Steve McHugh, M-C-C-U-E. There is also our Unique Dyslexic Get Creative page, And that's for all you creative dyslexics out there where you can come along and share what you do creatively Whether it's poetry, writing, painting, sculpture, music You're invited to come along there and share it with people on my page The invitation is also open to anybody else from any other neurodiverse community Next I want to share an interview with Emma Who has quite a different story to tell about her experiences with being dyslexic Good afternoon. Emma, how are you today?
3: I'm okay. How are you?
0: Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience of primary
3: school, please? Primary school was quite unique with me. I moved about quite a lot. My father was military, so in moving around quite a lot. We never stayed in one place for more than 6 months. So primary school was quite difficult in that everyone has a different order of they do things in. So there was quite a lot of my primary school that I missed in the basics like your ABIC, I missed quite a lot of that and some parts of maths and English, I did miss the foundation parts of primary school until we moved back to Scotland.
0: So that was between what age?
3: Um, Until I was 10 years old. So I was born over in Germany and it was all military schools until I was 10 when we moved back here.
0: Am I correct in saying that dyslexia wasn't mentioned Because you weren't in one place for long enough?
3: Um, No, it wasn't ever mentioned. It was just assumed many other children had any difficulty in certain aspects of it, that it was just down to the fact that the order in which we were doing things were different. So we just needed to try a little bit harder.
0: Different schools, different teachers, and that's just the way life was? Yes. Then we moved back to Scotland, and I take it you went to school between 11 and 16 in Scotland?
3: Yeah, I stayed on until it was 17 before I left.
0: In high school, how did things go in high school?
3: It was much the same. I still had, obviously, problem areas in that it was a lot of issues I had were masked because I was in the higher tier of the class for what they classed as intelligence, the ability of my writing and scribing and sometimes changing words or forgetting words, they just assumed that I just needed to try harder. So nothing was ever really put in place and nothing was ever spoken about. Right. And it was ignored until my sixth year when they started giving me extra time so that I didn't rush my writing. But that was the only thing put in place. There's never any talk of... So they were aware that there was maybe an issue, mm-hmm.
0: but there was no kind of exploratory that kind no. of thing going on okay and then we left school at seventeen yes, and what happened at seventeen?
3: I went to college where I went to complete some more hires because namely English and history, which were writing heavy writing heavy hires and which failed on and while I was there, I spoke to one of the lecturers about some of the difficulties I was having, they set me up with the disability services there at the college and straight away they put me in contact with the educational psychologist who did the test for dyslexia and dyspraxia and came back and said that, yes, the report said that I was highly dyslexic in my writing yeah, and phonetics and that's what's caused issues that I'd had that I'd previously described in high school and in primary school and it wasn't just because I'd moved about so much or that I was rushing the work it was I just would never be able to get a handle on them
0: and of course if the schools are just teaching you using phonetics, yes. and there's an issue with that yep. learning via phonetic kind of route, then that's just going to exacerbate things, yes. isn't it really? So we were assessed. Did the college pay for that? Yes. And at that time, was there such a thing as assistive software and assistive hardware, or was it just a computer keyboard?
3: I was given no, I was given a laptop, and I was given what they classed at the time as their, the best software that they had, which was Dragon Software. which that's going back about 12 years ago so it was very rudimentary and didn't like Scottish accents and yeah that was I used that as best as I could but obviously it had its teething problems but that did help me with the courses that I was doing
0: I I remember when I got Dragon first I tried really hard for a year and I just couldn't get my head around it it just didn't want to work for me I had a much more broader accent
3: then I can because I grew up moving about so much I can change my accent if I need to
0: okay mm <laughs> So then we went into employment. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And what kind of jobs did you do?
3: It was all retail-based, my jobs that I had. And most of the time, it was higher-level, management-level jobs. It started in Halfords, working just on the car parts before I moved up to the management. And from there, I then moved management into Asda. And from there, I moved on to running stores for a small bakery. So
0: somebody saw positive attributes communication mm-hmm. organization yes quite single minded yes. goal setter a lot of those things we are told that we can't do obviously yeah. you have mm-hmm. a lot of those attributes mm-hmm. good that's that's fine that's why i tend to never listen to whatever <laughs> this dyslexia uh, specialist had to say my
3: report that i got even just even the psychologist was a little cuz he obviously brought me in and we spoke over the report and he said A lot of the attributes I display, he can understand why in high school it was masked, because a lot of what I displayed didn't fit into the nutshell of being dyslexic. Yeah. So... That's why you thinks for so long that it was masked by what I was doing.
0: Yeah, there's a stereotypical view focuses in on kind of medical model of dyslexia, which talks about discrepancy and it talks about disability and it talks about kind of negative things and it mm-hmm. completely negates all the positives. And you obviously mm-hmm. you had a lot of those. You were you didn't have any of those issues that um, the medical model would say a dyslexic has. Yeah, has to live with. So we went into employment and then. Now we're at Harriet watt University and we're studying... Biological sciences. Could I ask, what made you come back to school? What made you go... What was the driving force?
3: I couldn't do retail anymore. I wanted to do something that I felt was a bit more worthwhile. I'd done retail for about 12 years. Um, I'd been working in retail even as part-time jobs since I was 16. And I just I didn't want to do anymore. So I took the chance and applied to college originally. I thought I would have to do my national fives and then my hires again. But when I was in the college, they put me forward for the swap course which was it's an access program to get into higher education for been out of education for over three years so i joined that can i, can I ask do you remember what swap means scottish widening access program east okay Swapy. yes so i did swap east and that led me to be i was in a class with mature students as well so all of us had been out and some of us were in the same boat we were just wanting to get back and try something new others had kids that maybe they'd been out while they had their kids and we all had the same goal of hopefully achieving university at the end of the course
0: yeah I went through the same I did an access to education <laughs> which was uh, O levels and A levels in yeah various different subjects again the same as a mature student with other mature students
3: yeah so we only had three areas because it was the access to life science I did so so it was chemistry, biology, and maths. We also had subunits in statistics, communication, and we did that, which basically gives you the equivalent of your national five in biology, um, chemistry, and maths. And then the second semester gives you a higher in biology, chemistry, maths. Right. And yeah, we did that.
0: So, higher is like an A level? Yes and the, the nationals. Do you know what the equivalent might be in England? What
3: okay, I know it's all right. It's funny, there's is a border that, that it, separates us. They're not GCSEs. They're yeah, probably yeah, GCSEs. Yeah. That, yeah, the GCSEs is, is what you do when you're about, and the national five, what you do when you're round about fourth year. So right. round about 14, 15, that's generally what you do for your national fives. Yeah, it's
0: funny how we're just separated by, we live next door to each yeah. other. And the, the differences in education are, yeah. you know, the way it's run, is quite marked.
3: Well, when I was in high school, it was standard grades. Gee, it wasn't national fives or higher. Because you're a
0: mature student, aren't you? Yes. I'm not going to ask you your age, but you're a mature <laughs> student. So now you're at what University, and I think you're enjoying the course very much. Yes. Yeah again I think this single mindedness comes over you're very determined you are very you're coping very well with the rigors of academic life yes what would you say are your strengths
3: i would have to say organisation is one of my strengths but that's because i put a lot of work into it and i think a lot of people seem to think because i'm organised that it must be easy but they don't realise just how much organisation i have to put into what i do because if i don't organise it well then i don't achieve what don't i want achieve to achieve it. And that's
0: very often something that's forgotten about when mm-hmm. dyslexics come into into further edu- education is that it's not that we can't do what we is we want to do, but there is just such a lot of stuff that we have to yeah. do in the background that it's like a bit of an iceberg. I think really, yeah. Some of it, uh, quite a lot of it, is under the water. And with yeah. you, it's edu- with you, it's the the organisation. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay.
0: So you're in your second year of a
3: biological science honours so it's four years
0: ok so you're going to come away
3: with a honours a bachelor's honours okay. unlike unlike the English system where you do three years yeah. and you get bachelors Scotland does bachelor's honours so it's a the fourth year is your honours programme so you can walk away with your like first class honours of or your second class honours of your okay. degree
0: and when you when you finish your education have you got an idea when you finish at university and have achieved your your qualification. Have you got any idea what you're going to do
3: afterwards? Well, my education wouldn't ideally finish until I have my PhD.
0: So we got to, we're going to go yes. for a PhD. So it's a master's and a PhD. Yes. Which, probably, that's a good another three or four years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So it's a year for the Masters and D years roundabout for your PhD. Okay. And, that's,
0: right. and that's while you're working? Yes. Determination. I think that's a t- typical dyslexic trait. We get an idea in our heads and we, we tend to be quite determined.
3: Well, it's the... D- what I want to do, which is research, you can't really do research unless you have a PhD nowadays. Yes, absolutely. Well, to do the research style that I want to do, you can get a job in a lab as a research assistant. But what I want, where it's actually being further up in the team, a PhD is more beneficial.
0: I know of, I, I'm working with a currently supporting another student who's doing it that way, trying to work in the labs, learning and while they're doing their higher. Yep and it's tough
3: yeah very tough
0: okay so if you had one piece of advice or one thing to say to any dyslexic out there listening what what would it be?
3: you can do it there is a way to do it and you will find a way that works for you and you will find various different ways that you'll fail at doing it, but you will come out with what you want at the end of it.
0: Thank you Thank you very much Emma for sharing your story. This is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic on Boom Radio. Emma's story is a very interesting one. You can see that she moved about from school to school as a child because her father was in the army when she went to those different schools she was seen to be a bright student but there was also issues with the way that she was learning none of the schools she went to picked up on it those issues were with her handwriting she talks about phonetics that means there was probably an issue with the spelling which is dyslexia related the pure fact of the matter is she she went through the whole of her education from five to 16 without any support whatsoever it wasn't until she went to college that college lecturer picked up on her issues that she was having only then that she was given access to a psychologist or an educational psychologist who then went on to assess her as being extremely dyslexic. You have to admire Emma for her determination to even succeed at school and to overcome the barriers that our dyslexia and friendly education put in front of her. Emma talked to us about her organisation and how she's strong with her organisation however she also says that she's only good with her organisation because she puts a lot of work into it. Many of the dyslexic students I support often say the same thing I have to work so much harder to do what I need to do part of the issue lies with the dyslexia unfriendly education system one that doesn't work for us the other part of the issue is that we are just not taught to learn according to our learning strengths we are taught to learn in the same way as non dyslexic students do and that doesn't work I'm going to go back to phonics phonics for many dyslexic students doesn't work it works for some doesn't work for others much of the work I do with dyslexic students is about trying to enable them to build a set of tools and a set of strategies that will enable them to do what they need to do more effectively and more more efficiently I call it a dyslexia learning toolbox that learning toolbox will only work for that one particular student at that one particular point in time learning toolbox is not a static thing it will change over time as toolbox for a second year student at university may not work for a student in third year because the level of work expected might be higher the tasks that they are expected to do might be higher I'm just going to finish with saying that all dyslexics have different life experiences of children all dyslexics dyslexia is unique to that individual dyslexic no two sets of strategies or no single strategy will work for all and the way that we need to do it is that we need to build a set of strategies around the student it's like buying clothes a a lot of the time we'll buy a jacket or a pair of trousers and they just won't feel right and if they don't feel right we won't buy them it's the same with the dyslexia strategies if they don't feel right they won't work and they won't get used this is Steve McHugh for unique dyslexic on boom radio hi this is Steve McHugh for unique dyslexic boom it's time for another track from myself this one's called tranquility I've been making music for practically all my life since I was about five years old when I was given a violin at school I was a musician for a long time after I left school and I think being a musician was one of the reasons that helped me overcome the anxiety and stress and the mental health issues I had from being an undiagnosed dyslexic at school and in the workplace. This is Tranquility. Thank you very much. tranquility by myself this is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic Radio I'd like to just say a few words about assistive technology if I might Uh, particularly software assistive tech can be fab but you have to find what works for you and it does not work for all dyslexics I know myself I find a lot of assistive technology just doesn't work for me it gets in the way from my perspective the problem I see with a lot of assistive hardware and software is the expense particularly the software. My advice is always try a trial version before splashing your cash because a lot of assistive technology is so expensive. There is also a lot of fab free stuff out there. For example, Balabolka is a fab free text-to-speech package that works okay. A lot of people have got good things to say about it. This works on desktop and it also works on portable as well. Balabolka is B-A-L-A-B-O-L-K-A. You can have a go with that free text-to-speech engine and see if it works for you. And if you want to go out there and then spend more money on a paid version of a piece of software, then at least you're going in with the idea that's going to work for you. The second piece of software is called My Study Bar. Again, it's free. This is a set of assistive technology tools. The only issue with it, it just works for Windows. So that's My Study Bar. People have a lot of good things to say about this so finally i'm going to repeat what i said earlier on uh, about you know if you want to get involved i have two facebook pages that's unique dyslexic boom and unique dyslexic get creative the boom page is all about podcasting and broadcasting and the get creative page is all about being creative on the being creative page you can share your artwork your writing whatever it is you like to do creatively and on the on the boom page that's again you can share your podcasts, your own radio broadcasts, whatever it is you feel that you want to share with uh, other people and you can do it in a safe and secure environment so that's enough from me for today there will be a little bit of a music in interlude before the program finishes um, but thank you very much for joining me today, feedback would be appreciated if you have any, again go to Boom to leave that, if you have any ideas or any questions you'd like to ask me about dyslexia, please don't hesitate to ask me, if you have anything you'd like me to broadcast about dyslexia on my next show, again just go to Unique Dyslexic Boom and uh, let me know what it is you have to say there, ok so thank you very much for listening, this is Steve The Q for Boom Radio. This is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic Boom Radio. That was another one of my tracks called I. Now finally, the last thing I'm going to say for today. Yes, I just want to make you aware about the differences between medical model thinking on dyslexia and social model thinking. In medical model thinking, the child is 40. It becomes about diagnosis, it becomes about labelling. Impairment becomes the focus of attention, not the student. In fact, it becomes the whole focus. There is assessment monitoring programmes of therapy imposed. There is no discussion about this. Generally, segregation and alternative services are provided. In other words, a child is taken out of a class and given one-to-one. It sounds really good but in terms of the student then becomes isolated from his classmates, and very often becomes the object of bullying. The ordinary needs of the students are put on hold. Now we're talking about mental health here, we're talking about self-confidence, we're talking about self-esteem. If there's going to be any kind of re-entry, it's only if somebody is seen as being normal enough. And finally, society remains unchanged. So what we have with medical model thinking is that the child is the problem. With social model thinking, A child is valued. Strengths and needs are defined by the child and others, parents, teachers as well. Barriers are identified and solutions developed. Now, here we go back to this idea of having a dyslexia learning toolbox. It empowers the student. We have an outcome-based program designed, one specifically designed for the dyslexic learning strengths of the student. Resources are made available to ordinary services that might mean access to assistive technology, from hardware to software. Training for parents and professionals should be provided. Relationship are nurtured something that's very important if we're dealing with a whole child which is what social model thinking is dealing with we must deal with damaged self-esteem we must deal with damaged self-confidence we must deal with mental health issues or with the social model diversity is welcomed and accepted the child is included inclusion becomes the focus and all that adds up to is society evolving into a more inclusive society thanks very much this is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic Boom Radio finally I'd like to say thank you for everything everyone who's taken the time to listen to my show as I said before please contribute if you would please come and visit my unique dyslexic boom radio page or my unique dyslexic get creative dyslexia art page this is open for anybody who is dyslexic or is from any other neurodiverse community thank you very much